Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. How? What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucking nicks? All right. All right. Enough. You know, sometimes I think I should just get rid of that. It's in me, man. It's it's part of the show. It's organic bros and bras. That's not really the feminine of bro. All right. Before I forget, because I always forget to, to say things that I'm doing and things that are happening. And I want to get this stuff in because I don't know if this is going to happen again in my life. Am I right? This might be it. But uh, thank you all for pre-ordering my book, Attempting Normal. It's going to help. It's a great, if you want the book, I, I just want you to pre-order it and you can go to WTFpod.com and get the link there and that'll take the, take you to a place where you can pre-order it from your favorite, uh, from your favorite seller. And that helps. It helps the numbers. I don't know how, but, uh, if you're a fan and you're going to get the book, pre-order it and thank you for doing it. If you've done it already. The other thing I want to talk about is obviously, you know, that my, uh, my IFC show, Marin, is premiering May 3rd. Uh, some people are going to see it uh, a little earlier than that, at least one of the episodes, if you're going to the Moon Tower Comedy Festival in Austin, which I will be at, and that's April 24th through uh, April 27th. We're going to do a screening of one of the episodes, and uh, we're going to do a Q&A that is going to be moderated by the uh, the lovely Matt Bearden. So, uh, so that should be fun. I just want to make sure I say these things because, uh, believe me, you know, there's a lot to say. And, and sometimes I, I say things I, you know, I don't necessarily have to say, but I, I think I should be proud of this stuff. And, and these are things that are happening there. I said it. All right. We good with that. Okay. Scott Conant is on the show today. Scott Conant. Yeah. The chef, the chef from Chopped, one of my favorite shows, as you know. I went over to his restaurant. I went over to Scarpetta in Beverly Hills because I'll go drop some coin there once a month for the big feast. But it's funny. I watch Chopped a lot. I get very moved by Chopped. I know that some of you know that I'm a a latent chef. I believe that I could have had the skills to be a chef, but there's no way I can compete now. And don't think I didn't think about it. Don't think that when my shit hit the wall and everything was crapped out before this podcast started, In that short period of time when I had nothing and I was broke and you know, that week before I decided to do a podcast, don't think I didn't think culinary school. Why not? 47, 46 years old. That's not too old to go to culinary school to compete with these artists of the plate. I've got an aesthetic, an aesthetic disposition that may be able to pull off uh, some, uh, some brazing, and some, you know, just the knowledge, but that's it. It's all, it's almost chemistry. It's almost, you know, the, the bedrock that you got to set your expertise on as a chef is profound. I've always been very impressed with chef with chefs. I've always wanted to do it there. I think there's a similarity between the chef and the comic. I have not had a chef on since I talked to Burdain a while back and Scott, the thing about Scott is, you know, he's kind of a you know, a little a little dickish on the show sometimes, but you get this you get the feeling that he's a sort of a you know a sweet kind of a dickish dude. But uh, but I always liked him, man. I, you know, I always had sort of a a slight kind of like, yeah, I wonder what that guy that guy seems cocky and full of the charm. 
Wonder what that guy's all about. But the funny thing is, is that they got these chopped. Uh, I think the the professional ones. I think they. I think I think Scott is cooking next week, where the chefs that you know from the cooking channel compete on chopped, usually for a charity. But I've watched these before, and I've seen everybody cook. Man, I've seen. Uh, uh, Jeffrey Zakarian, I've seen Alex Gernicelli. Yeah, I've seen Mark Murphy cook. I love the show. I've seen um, uh, uh, Amanda Freitag cook on uh, Iron Chef. But I mean, I've, I, I like watching them cook. You know, you get to see them as judges, but when you see somebody cook, you really see how they work under pressure. You see their vulnerability, you see their creativity. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Mr. Conant uh, is cooking next week. And I'm, I'm going to be judging. I'm going to be judging Scott. But I, I do have to be honest, it was a thrill for me because it's really something that I'm interested in, something I don't know a lot about. You know, there are dues to be paid, you know, as a chef. Uh, there's a life in the restaurant business. There's a, an evolution of creativity that I found fascinating uh, it, that I wanted to talk to Scott about. And uh, so, you know, we finally made this happen. Conan, you know, it turns out he's a great guy. You know, he's, uh, he's a, he, he owns several restaurants He's a great chef. And you go to any of his restaurants and he has this simple spaghetti. It's just a spaghetti and a red sauce. That's it. But you don't you don't understand why when you eat it that you're like, this is the best spaghetti I've ever had in my life. And he knows it. It's the best seller on most of his restaurants. And uh, I he we cooked it at the end of our conversation. We went into the kitchen of Scarpetta and we cooked it. And it's uh, it's very simple, man. It's just tomatoes, some red pepper, a little bit of salt. Uh, fresh pasta and a little bit of parmesan cheese and butter it's butter the butter makes it better there used to be a bakery in uh in astoria queens i just flashed back on this steinway boulevard on the awning on the awning it says uh butter makes it better it's the butter butter makes it better so let's go now to uh scarpetta in beverly hills and uh talk to scott conan Like I'm a chopped fanatic. <laughs> Seriously, man. Thank I wa- I watch that fucking show. Uh, I think I think I learned from it. I think I, yeah. I, I have a sense of cooking. I think in my Good. heart that I always wanted to be a cook. Really? I guess the first question is, is it too late for me to become a world-class chef? If I have a knack for it. If you, if you have a touch. <laughs> I, but listen, if I could do it, any asshole can do it. <laughs> no, that's not true. No, I, I really believe that. I swear to God. I think there's certain things that... I've, when I first started cooking, I was yeah. 15. Right. And, and I went to a culinary, well, I went to a vocational school. Right. I'm from Waterbury, Connecticut. Wait a minute. Waterbury, Connecticut. So that's, uh, I, I spent a lot of time in New England. So where is that? Sorry. It's by, yeah, well, so, you know. I'm sorry to hear that. But you grew yeah, up there. But I that's, grew up there. That's sort of inland a little bit? Or it's, is it? Yes. It's right, it's exactly in the middle between New York City and Boston. Right. It's kind of the cutoff point between uh, Red Sox Nation and Yankee Universe. Okay. And I fell, unfortunately, on the good side, on the Yankee side. So. Why'd you grow up there? What was your old man do? What my you... father was a machinist and a toolmaker. Um, my mother worked at a pharmacy and then a credit union. I'm very, very middle class. Yeah. Very middle class. And how, how's, where, where's the Italian come in? My mother's family's Italian. So that's how you got the so Italian. Thing. My f- mother's first generation Italian-American. My grandparents are from a town called Benevento in, uh, in Campania outside of Naples. So it's the same dialect as uh, as a neapolitan dialect basically. so were they were they part of your life growing up oh yeah 
Yeah, your I grew up in a, like a traditional Italian American family. Like, listen, but your dad was, was an outsider. Well, well, yeah, but it was interesting because my father grew up on a farm in the north of Maine. Yeah. So a lot oh of that. God. So a lot of that stuff of like those old world values and yeah. traditions, right? Which really came from my mother's side of the family resonated a lot with my father because he grew up on a farm. I mean, right. it was, you know, a tough, so, up, a tough upbringing. For right. Him. And also very sort of, uh, intimate, like, you know, you, you ate what you grew and, you know, at least you ate what a friend had. It or wasn't no. necessarily that romantic, no. but <laughs> because I've spoken to him about it before he grew up on a potato farm All right, and I so said, Dad, you know, what kind of potatoes did you guys grow? Like what, you know, I used to hear him thinking like Peruvians and yeah. fingerlings and, yeah. and all these kind of, he's yeah. like, fuck are you talking about <laughs> <We're> potatoes <laughs> <laughs> potatoes <laughs> it, was well, must, it was so local and organic right yeah no, no, not nothing really. nothing not like really. that i mean his his you know there was a lot of family issues and friends with a lot of drinking problems and they would take random people into the house to live there to work on the farm and i mean to help a lot it, of, that was a it they, was like a halfway house so like you got a drinking problem come pick uh, pull well, potatoes well i what? think they had no other choice those people they needed to make a living right. so you might as well pick potatoes right. <laughs> <laughs> my grandfather would take him in. Oh my, my god! My grandfather was saint-like. Which is an awesome guy and a heart of gold. This is your dad's dad. My father's father. And what part of Maine? Because Maine's a little gnarly. It's like, well, it's way up, like Machias, like Fort Fairfield, outside of Presque Isle, Caribou, Aroostook County. It's way, they call it the county, way the hell up. So you had to drive up there to visit. Oh my god! We would drive. I remember as kids. <laughs> yeah. And just we would get off the highway, and just when you'd think you can't go any further, right? Literally, we drive for five yeah. more hours. <laughs> it's, it's <nothing laughs> like up there. it was on the border of Canada. You're right. So right. it's like from Connecticut where we grew up. It was like 12, 14 hours. So potatoes would like. be the only thing they would grow up there. I mean, what else are you going to grow I mean, what up else there? is going to grow yeah, up Yeah, there? it's cold. Yeah. It's hard. People shouldn't even be up yeah, there. Yeah, no kidding, man. When I used to do gigs up in Maine, you'd start driving, and then you'd pull off at gas stations and be like, there's something wrong up here. I swear to you, I, a guy yeah. at the service station had had flippers. Like, I, I mean, it, <laughs> but, <laughs> like, I, I'll never forget it. I, I, I was like, the gene pool's tight up here. It's yeah, tight. The, the lobster has got to get laid, yeah. too. So you, <laughs> Maybe that's it. That's See, not, that's he's wrong. been around lobster for so long. <laughs> <laughs> but the nicest people in the world. No doubt. I, yeah, I have a lot of cousins up there still. But it's interesting. My father's family came here uh, in 1622 and founded Salem, Massachusetts. So if you ever go to Salem, there's a huge statue of a guy named Roger Conant. Yeah. And he's my great, 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 whatever grandfather. Well, someone didn't hold on to their money. What, what, no, I think it's, yeah, it's up, clearly it's been, been Maine. Yeah, clearly it's been downhill ever since. <laughs> Usually <laughs> those founding people, you know, yeah, you got a I got, place. Yeah, no. I, got, I got none of that, man. So none when you were that. growing up, was, how big How big is Waterbury? It's just a small town, like Connecticut, towny. Kind yeah, of. 150, 200,000 people, something like that. Yeah. yeah. And when you were a kid, you were like, what? Yeah. See, like, I, like from watching you on Chopped, and we talked a little bit about it before at the coffee machine, you know, you're, you're like, uh, you know, the, the dick <laughs> a little bit. I, I, you know you are. No, 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 no. You know what it is. But you got a and heart. I'm not this, saying you don't. You, I, you know, it's a little tough love. Yeah. I, that's I, what it is. I All grew right. up in a way where, you know, I, I can't stand bullshitters. I yeah. just can't. I can't deal with it. Right. I mean, we all deal with a lot of bullshit. And you're in a our chef. Lives. I watch that chopped every day. Chefs are like junkies. They're, I mean, I've never seen no, people bullshit more I think in my life. Tony Bourdain called it the best. He, he used the best analogy. He said, chefs, cooks are like pirates. Oh, I talked to him, by the right? way. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He's, I mean, he's awesome. He's, yeah. he's so clever. They are I, like pirates. They're really, really. It's a separate world back there. Yeah. You know, like a lot of sports guys, they grow up in this locker room mentality. Yeah. And women 
are like you, you guys are animals and women who work in the kitchen normally are either they they get it and they do it or at a certain point they're like you guys are disgusting yeah I'm yeah out. yeah just, i'm out of here either you're a hardened waitress <laughs> who knows how to put up with some shit exactly. or, absolutely yeah absolutely like if i see a panel and if it's like you alex and and uh and jeffrey i'm like oh my god no one's gonna i mean it's gonna be the hardest one yeah but what, you know what you don't but you're see. all very sweet no, what, you're very what sweet. you don't see yeah. is the amount of fun that we have on that thing and yeah. we really i mean we're serious about what we do right uh, the good news is that none of us take ourselves too seriously except for jeffrey that reads yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but jeffrey's one of my closest friends is he um, he really is he, we we've known each other for years and we used to do a show together. We started doing Chop together. And then yeah. we did another show. I did a show called uh, 24-Hour Restaurant Battle, which uh, which didn't necessarily resonate with people. So after two seasons, that was gone. What was, but the, Jeffrey, what was the angle on that one? 24-Hour Restaurant Battle. Two yeah. teams compete yeah. to open up a restaurant, uh, competing restaurants in 24 hours. Right. So it was kind of like a shit show. It's That's crazy. what the name yeah, of the yeah, show yeah, should yeah, have yeah, been. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so Jeffrey and I spent a lot of time together doing that. And working on chopped all the time yeah and it's just you know i'm so happy for his success he became an iron chef i and saw he's that just like he's on fire right is that now. not something you wanted to do fire. the iron chef thing? i have no desire to do that stuff what, what, I, I, you know the, the competition element is not interesting to me i'm a little bit different than the other chefs yeah. on on uh on chopped i have restaurants I, I mean i have one restaurant here in beverly Hills. we're in scarpetta right now scarpetta beverly in the montage Hills. yeah yep. um i have two uh restaurants at the cosmopolitan uh, in hotel in Las Vegas. Yeah, I have one at the Fountain Blue in Miami. I have one at the Thompson Hotel in Toronto, and I have an independent restaurant in New York City. One, the one of them in Vegas is a pizza place, right? One is uh, well, there's a secret pizza place, and then there's an Enoteca, which is why well, I sell pizza and steaks and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, um, and that's a, like a casual concept. And then I have a Scarpetta next door to that, right? As well, but but yeah. so but, well, that's all different. The the actually opening restaurants and competing in that world is different than you know playing games in the kitchen with other chefs. Exactly. So frankly, I just don't have time to play those games, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, you walked in. I was on I was on a three yeah, hour a phone lawyer. call with, yeah, my, yeah. with my attorneys. I. But the weird just, thing was, like I said to you before, is that when I watch people cook, like I had never seen Alex really cook, uh, you know, until she was on Iron Chef or Amanda. I had not seen. Um, you know, Jeffrey, I saw cook on Chopped, and yeah. uh, the other guy, uh, Aron. Aron, yeah, he's beautiful. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's awesome. But like, as hard ass as some people are, as soon as you guys start cooking, you know, all of a sudden you're raw. Like, you know, like you can see who you are. You know what I mean? You can see yeah. what you invest in it and the focus. But that's, you know, it's very funny because food really is the person that's cooking it. I'm, I'm, I, when I go to Jeffrey's restaurants, Jeffrey is very. He's he's very buttoned up. Yeah. But let's let's put it. I mean, he's a little uptight. Yeah. He's he's from Massachusetts, by yeah. the way. So I call him a masshole yeah, often. Yeah. But he's he's one of those guys who's just and he's his food. It's streamlined. It's really exact. Just yeah. like him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I went to you know, the, the tutor what I went to the one in Florida. My mother didn't know what to do with it. And my mother can't eat anywhere where she can't order off the menu. You, you know, can you give me that without that? And so, yeah, you know. we, we love customers like that. I'll bet you do. Yeah, <laughs> those yeah, are yeah. our favorite. Could you do, could you bet? No garlic. I don't like garlic. Yeah. <laughs> this, I have this tomato sauce. I think I know you've that had tomato it, right? So, I, that, that's the magic tomato sauce. I put an infusion of garlic inside of it. Yeah. I don't actually, I, I, I infuse oil and yeah. put the oil inside, not the garlic itself. Right. And so people will say, like, oh, I want it without garlic. And well, actually, there is no garlic inside. There's oil, and yeah. oils taste like garlic. Oh, yeah. I don't want that. 
I'm like, okay, you know, that's <laughs> I don't know what to do. What the fuck is that spaghetti though? It's good, right? It's I know, good, but yeah. it's like it's like it's I've never had that experience. I come here with my girlfriend the first time I came here, and I think we were tweeting at each other. But and I just got this plain spaghetti, and I don't eat I don't eat yeah. pasta that much. And it's like, what? The, why is this so fucking good? Yeah, it's, it's just we're doing. Um, so there's five scarpettas currently, right. and I serve that that spaghetti in five different uh, restaurants in five different markets. Right, and other than Toronto. Um, this that's my highest selling pasta by like by leaps and bounds my the highest selling dish it's the most basic it's the most simple but you know what it's i mean it's full extraction of flavor has great texture i think that there's something that's that's transformative about the pasta itself because you don't necessarily get a great spaghetti with tomato basil like right. that no it really is a sum of all its parts right yeah but but but, but what's the mathematics of that i mean where how do you get what well, we're going to go back but i mean <laughs> it's just simple sauce, I guess, but you know something has got to be different. <clears throat> the, the, the only difference is is I use all fresh tomatoes, not canned. All right. And I cook it for about 45 minutes. Right. I don't let it go all day. Like, right. like my mother used to cook tomatoes, still cooks tomato sauce. All and day. it cooks for like 24 or 48 hours. <laughs> and I don't do that. that. What, what I mean, it? I don't understand. I, and I say to her all the time, like, I, you know, I don't, I don't get it. And the tomato paste and all the other stuff that yeah, goes inside. No like, tomato I paste. I can't. No sugar, none of that stuff. Yeah. I want it to be as pure and simple as possible. So what's and, in it? Tomatoes. Yeah. And then uh, salt, yeah, extra virgin olive oil, yeah. And I do this infusion of olive oil right. with crushed red pepper, basil, and garlic. Okay, and that's a sauce. There's no cheese factor. Well, then when I toss the pasta, so then we cook the pasta directly in the sauce, right? So what I'll do is I'll cook the pasta in the water, yeah, cook it about ninety percent of the way, yeah. The other ten percent I'll cook it on the fire in the sauce, yeah. So it absorbs a lot of the flavor from right. the tomatoes. I don't know if this is even interesting. No, to, of course to it anyone is. Except for you. To me. No, well, no, I appreciate that. No, Thank no, you. this is the important stuff. So and then. Uh, I'll finish with a little bit of butter, yeah, fresh basil, yeah, and Parmesan cheese, and that's and it's it. just tossed. We'll make one after if you want. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, it's, no, it's, it's easy. <laughs> trying to wash my weight, but I'm that's not going to turn that down. No, we'll make one after. So, we'll wait, how do after. we get from you know to that to you know because that's a that's an interpretation that you did. Like, I mean, that's not basic Italian cooking. Well, you, you know, decided at some point. Well, this needs butter. No, it actually, if there's, when I was in Benevento, which is my grandparents' hometown, my grandmother and my grandfather, my mother's side, both yeah. from Benevento, um, that was the only place, funny enough, where I had something remotely similar to, to my style of spaghetti. Right. So I think it's, you know, even if I didn't necessarily grow up with that, um, I think it's something that's clearly in my DNA somewhere. It's genetic. You, it's you genetic. Knew it, you it's, knew, in my, you, it's in my bones. You knew it needed butter. Bones. And then like yeah. at some point you're in Italy and you said like, I knew it. Yeah, I didn't even, no one had to tell exactly. me. That exactly. this was necessary, like, like charm. I yeah. mean, it's just kind of—it's in my DNA. I can't yeah. help. Yeah. yeah, you do. You do have that. But, but, like, I'm curious about the because uh, I'm a comedian. I talk to comedians. I talk to actors. I talk to uh, to uh, musicians. Comedians are a sorted bunch, aren't they? Sure. I mean, they're like chefs. Right. We're, we're lone like wolves, and you just sort of show. Them. and some yeah. of them. Some of them. I've known a few that have. Who have like you known? Crazy. I mean, no, no one important. Just over the years, guys. That well, I probably know them. No, you know. I mean, like literally, guys who oh. like tried and failed miserably, and, they, and they, they, they quit. Yeah, and they became waiters, which is how <laughs> I knew them. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that the journey is similar because it's a it's a solo journey. There, there's some part of you that's possessed by this need to do this. It, I think that the. The sense of gratification is similar where you, you cook something and you, you present it and that, you know, like when you flip an egg and it doesn't break, there's, yeah. you know, you won somehow. Uh, you know, I think, I think you're right. And I think there's this inherent sense of insecurity that all of us in one way or another have, right? And yeah. we need to fill that void 
with, um, I've thought about this a lot over the years. I think we need to fill that void with that instant gratification, whether it be flipping the egg or seeing the customer's face and, right. and, them, and them walking up and shaking your hand. Because it's, <clears throat> you know, the old, the old story of the chef who freaks out because someone sends back a veal chop. Yeah. What that really is about is how much, how much heart, how much soul, how right. much of yourself goes into that plate. Right. And when it's rejected by the customer, I mean, it's frankly hurtful. Right. Right. It really, it really just <laughs> yeah, hurts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it really hurts. It hurts like hell. Like, yeah. fuck that guy. Yeah. <laughs> this <laughs> is perfect. perfect. This yeah. is perfect. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know deep in your heart it's really not perfect. And you know the person's right 90% of the time. Yeah. But it like it hurts so bad because you know what? I, you know, I, I fucked up and I made a mistake. And I, I like I hate that I made that mistake. But what if you didn't make the mistake? This is you... years of therapy, by the way. Really? Like, <laughs> <laughs> years. So you've been that guy. Oh, 100%. Someone sends back a veal chop and you're like, that's bullshit. Absolutely. It doesn't happen anymore because now I try to, you know, see, see the, what's the expression? The forest through the trees yeah, or whatever, yeah, yeah, the trees yeah. through the forest, whatever. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, you know, because now I'm looking at things from a very different angle. I look at things from, you know, much like a chessboard. I'm not one of the pieces anymore. Now I'm like overseeing. Right. You know, but let's players. go back to that insecurity thing. I mean, so, <laughs> so you grow up, like you, you start cooking when you were 15, you said? Yeah. But what, what drove you there? I mean, what were you, what, what kind of kid were you? It were was, you? I was a really good kid. I mean, I, you know, I, I, um, I was one of those kids who never wanted anything from my parents. I never wanted a radio. I never wanted, I, I played baseball. I love, I'm a huge baseball fan. So you played in I, high school, you I were played, a jock or what? I didn't play in high school because I started working at 15 and right. I stopped playing baseball in order to work in a kitchen. But once I walked into a kitchen for the first time, yeah. I'll never forget it. I was in Waterbury, Connecticut, a restaurant called the Sea Loft. Um, it was a seafood restaurant. Sure. It was a real shithole, this yeah. place. <laughs> I mean, it was And disgusting. this is your first job. This is my first job. Yeah. Um, I, 50, I started as a dishwasher. Yeah. A few weeks later, they bumped me up to be a prep cook. Yeah. And then I started f working the fry laters, frying clam strips and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. But I'll never forget walking in for the first time and seeing these guys and this camaraderie that I felt, which was the same as being on a, a team. Right. You know? Yeah. And everybody's out for the same for the same thing. And there's of course, you know, people taking the piss out of each other and, and getting right. on each other's backs. Right. It's again that locker room mentality to sure. a certain extent. Yeah. But never really even considering the customer because we're in this grind. Right. You, know? you just get, it was the, just you crazy. got tickets up and you just got to go. And you're go. just pushing it out, it's pushing a, it out. It's a great feeling. But yeah. these guys that I worked with were insane. Sure. I mean, those guys were like, they were, I'll, I'll never forget it. I was 15. And yeah. fortunately, I never got into the drug scene, which was good. My parents, like I did that. I did, however, learn about vaginas later yeah. on, which kind of <laughs> fucked me up. But it's <laughs> a different thing. Very powerful. But these guys were like on the line, literally with a steak here yeah and two inches away they're doing blow they're doing blow <laughs> and they're smoking weed at the same time and they're drinking like animals and i'm like holy shit these guys are out of their mind yeah they I mean, it was it was it was great that's to how observe. it's different than a baseball team that's yes but not different than a comedian <laughs> no that's no, absolutely right because like i like the whole locker room idea the team analogy but it seems like it seems like not unlike comedy, a lot of guys got into kitchen work just to stay under the radar a little yeah. bit and you know yeah. have their own life and not be fucked with too much. Pay for their habits. Sure, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I yeah, get it. but uh, <laughs> but but you knew what at that time though when you're doing that when you're throwing clam shirts and stuff as far as enjoying the pace and the you know the the, the intensity of it. Yeah. Do you knew you were making garbage food or no? Oh, you know what. I knew because you get. I knew that. there was another level. That was the other thing. But this is the thing. I mean, this was years ago, so there was no Food Network. I had no opportunity to see other than what my mother did. I saw this, and she always cooked. 
my mother always cooked and, and, you know, family dinners on Sunday with my grandparents and my father, my grandfather, and yeah. you know, things like that. Uh-huh. Um, but it wasn't until, you know, so as I went to this vocational school where I would go three weeks of academics and then three weeks of, of culinary arts and my teachers really saw my passion. They this, loved when, this was a high school. This was in high school. Yeah. So they pushed me into a better direction in a, in a hotel. It was a Sheridan hotel, which at the time in Waterbury was one of the sure. better yeah. places. Um, and the, the chefs there all are Culinary Institute of America graduates, and they kind of took me under their wing and pushed me in a direction. So eventually when I graduated high school, I went right to CIA. I mean, I knew at a very young age, fortunately, what I wanted to do. Yeah. But again, that was way before the Food Network happened, way before this appreciation for food existed. Right. This is in the mid 80s. Right. So there was, well, the Food Network for like, I think five years was just Emerald. You know, for most practical purposes. Yeah, and to a lot of now it's just Bobby. Yeah, right? yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. It was Emerald with the Bam, and then yes. now Bobby with whatever he does. Yeah, that's right. He was Everything. part of it. Yeah, he was part of it too, though, because I remember yeah. doing a show as a comic where he was cooking in his backyard or something. Yeah, uh, Bobby a grilling or I don't remember what the hell it was. Grilling and chilling. But yeah, that was it. Yeah, so we yeah. hung out and you, yeah, and you had to like Bobby for a half hour. So. He's a good guy, right? He's he's, a, he's an awesome guy. Good he's cook. like he's he's you know what I I've he's a very good cook. I he's given me um, career advice at different points when I really needed it, and you know it's just been like that moment of clarity. He's Bobby is such an interesting guy because he knows right away if it's something he wants to do or doesn't want to do. He'll tell you to your face, "Fuck you," or yeah. he'll he'll be friendly <laughs> right, to you. Right, like right. he's just that guy, he's, right? And, and I have to tell you, I really respect him. Yeah. I really respect him. What was him. the advice? Uh, it's really not important. It no. has to do with old business partners, which I, oh, you know, right. I, I've, I've uh, signed <laughs> so affidavits that I wouldn't So it's restaurant about. business. <laughs> it's a restaurant business. All right, so but you, it's, yeah, but it's, it's greater than that. But yeah, I mean, it's life advice. No, I get ultimately. you. I get yeah. you. So, when you, so you're in this vocational school, and when you were working at the Sheraton, what were your jobs? I mean, what, what changed? Obviously, we're not throwing clam strips, but there's still characters in the kitchen, I'm sure. Sure. But there, people are wearing hats now. Of course. Yeah. Exactly. And the place was clean. Right, right. Literally at the sea loft. Yeah. I opened the refrigerator door. And it's one thing to have mice or rats in right, the kitchen, right. which is yeah. disgusting. Yeah. The, this place, actually, a fucking squirrel ran out. Of the, <laughs> I was like, what the, what the hell is going on in this place? There was a squirrel there. I've never yeah. seen that. I've never seen that since, fortunately. Uh, but so I went to the Sheridan. It was a very professional environment. The guys were great. Um, and I, I started in banquets and I just learned how to do volume. I learned how to organize myself properly. And that's a skill set that I still have taken with me uh, to this day. And then I eventually went to the a la carte restaurants and they were, there was a fine dining restaurant and a casual restaurant. Um, and I can't remember a lot of what we did, but I do remember the, the guys that I worked with were really instrumental in trying to get me, you know, like I was, I, I was the kid who had an Escoffier and a LaRousse Gastronomique in my backpack because I just love this stuff. And yeah. I was like reading about it all the time. And right. at 18 years old, if you asked me a traditional recipe from Escoffier, I could tell you. What, what is an Escoffier? I don't know. Escoffier is, it was Augustus Escoffier was kind of the godfather of modern haute cuisine. And he was from France, and he really created the the brigade system for kitchens. Essentially, so you like at, at fifteen were fascinated with this stuff. This loved was, it. This I was loved poetry it. to you. Oh, I loved it, man. And I it was it. it was classical French initially. It was classical French, because that's I, the like, that's loved, the Bible, right? Well, depending on what you're, what you know, from from a European perspective, yeah. That's where it starts. Like you need to understand Escoffier before you can move on elsewhere. And a lot of people say, well, if it's an Italian food, it should be uh, Pellegrini or, or one of these places. But, you know, 
at the end of the day, it's it's always a scoffier. And what what yeah. is in there? So um, <laughs> he's like he's the guy who did all the aspic and the crazy shit that you're never going to eat anymore. The gel, but there, stuff. yeah, but there, there's flavor combinations. You know, you get stuck like anything. I'll get stuck if I'm thinking about menu items. Like I just can't put something together I'm looking for a flavor profile that that I'm just not capturing I'll open up a scoffier and I mean this guy he like he's, he's amazing still I mean he's unbelievable how, how is it he broken down I know I can go look at the book but I mean how, what, it's, so what's it's, a flavor it's broken profile down by, well it's broken down the book itself is is broken down by um courses so appetizers mm-hmm. hot hors d'oeuvres hot yeah, yeah. all that yeah. kind of stuff veal chicken fish all the different fish and then it'll have uh, lobster American, yeah. right? I don't speak French, so right. listen, right. whatever. <laughs> no <laughs> so problem. It'll be traditionally a lobster with, um, um, with an American sauce is this, 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 and this. Right. So those are the components of the sauce. It doesn't give you amounts, but yeah. it gives you, this is the largest, like the largest amount is the first thing listed, and then it, it varies. And you're supposed to wing but, it from there? You're spo- well, traditionally, you're meant to be trained in these things. And right. If you go to a restaurant like Bocuse yeah. in, in uh, Leon, right. you'll have that style of food still. But right. not a lot of those places exist anymore. I don't think I've ever eaten it. Have you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't eat that stuff anymore. I, I mean, I like... It's so heavy, <laughs> half butter and half pig fat. Like, forget about it. You but, but the, like, because you guys talk about that a lot on, on Chopped and stuff about flavor profiles, and I, you know, it started to be revealed to me that even if I can cook something or I have a sense of cooking, I worked in restaurants when I was a kid, yeah. that that there's a, there's a an edgy, there's a wisdom to it, and there's a you know there's a science to it that you can't really defeat. Like, you, you know, you can't just, you know, throw a bunch of cumin in something and then kind of balance yeah. the shit out. I mean, certain things work, certain things don't. Certain things work, certain things don't. And, uh, you know, the funny thing about it is with being on that show and speaking to people, number one, they never get to eat what they cook. They don't have time. Yeah. So as we try to help them, my, my whole intention is, the opportunity for me is two things. I said to myself, I promised myself, because I'm... You know, I'm a real chef. Yeah. Like Rachel Ray is wonderful and I yeah. get it. Yeah. But, you know, she's she's not a chef. There's cooks and chefs. Right? So okay. my thing was I'm a real chef and I've had success as a chef right. and I have awards and yeah. shit like that yeah. which <laughs> matter to people. Yeah. yeah. So, so I always want to take the Waylon, Waylon Jennings approach to yeah. everything where no, nothing matters. Right. Fuck everybody. Yeah, but it, but it does, it, unfortunately, well, it's unfortunate. Well, that's that battle. That battle with insecurity again. <laughs> exactly. 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 <laughs> but so. I said to myself, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to put myself on television, if yeah. I'm going to be that person, I have to be honest. That right. way, there's a level of integrity that even if people don't get it, because there's always haters, at least I have integrity. Right. I have to be honest to people. Right. But I think there's a difference between being honest and being hurtful. Right. So I never want to be hurtful. How long in therapy did you learn before you learned that one? Uh, that, was, that was probably year five. Yeah. <laughs> Because there, yeah, there's yeah. That, that, that thing where you're sort of like, I'm just being honest. Why I'm are you just, crying? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. I had a girlfriend like that. Yeah. She was an asshole. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so at, you know, at this, at this point, what I always tell these chefs is, listen, I have no skin in your game. I'm fine. You yeah. know, I have my businesses. Right. I have all the things that I want to do, the things that I love. I have a family. I'm good. I'm trying to help you. Yeah. I'm trying to help you get better. Right. There's a skill set that maybe you need to learn. Right. Or maybe I can gain perspective as well. So it's a conversation. Right. The challenge becomes when people get really sensitive about the things you're trying to teach them or tell them right. or, or help them with. Right. And that's, um, that's, uh, well, that's, that's, chef that's stuff. where, right? that's where the fun starts and the fireworks start right. to go off. Right. Yeah. But, you, but you guys are all, you know, fragile. You, you know what I mean? And there's like, 
like I can tell, like, you know, you get those guys that sort of like they're in their 60s and they're, yeah. you know, they're no longer drinking, but, you know, they're wearing the hat and they're like, you know, they're full of bravado. <laughs> exactly. You just, you just know they're exactly. not going to hear yeah, you. Exactly. They're going to walk out of there going, fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Yeah, yeah. I was. I'm going back to the seafood restaurant in Westbury. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I mean, it, you know what? But again, my only, the only thing I want to do is make, if in my own little way, and I know it's a, such a small piece of it all. Um, you know, if they can become better cooks a little bit, be a little bit more thoughtful about what they do on the other side, right. then that's all, that's all I could really ask for. So take me through the steps of like, because uh, you got to put your time in, you got to pay your dues. So you go to the vocational school and then you, you know you want to do this and you're reading your, uh, your French stuff yeah. and you're, you're, you're like, you're Escoffier. in. Escoffier. Yes. That's important. Do you have a copy here yes. at the restaurant? I, I, no, I have it on my... Uh, on your iPod? On my iPad. I, on, yeah. on, your, on your phone? Yeah? yeah? I, no, on my uh, iPad. Yeah? Yeah. The whole I book. have all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I have all kinds of stuff on there. Some we, things I download, some things I look at, some things I don't, but yeah. But like, what are your biggest resources outside of him? Oh, I mean, he's not my biggest resource. Right, right. No, I'll, I'll just, uh, he, he's just, it's a nice backup plan. I'll walk around a market or I'll look, you know what I love to do is yeah. I look to, love to look at food photos. Right. And not for any reason of knowing what the food is. I don't care. Do you like to I eat? Just, I unfortunately, <laughs> uh, yes. Look at, I mean, look at this. <laughs> <laughs> I have a photo shoot in a couple of weeks and I'm, I looked at myself in the mirror tonight. I was like, Jesus, I got to like, you I don't go, have time to hit the gym. You kind of go up and I down. I, I really do. Yeah. yeah it's not I mean, good. I, that's one thing it's I can tell bad. on shop. We were like, yeah. well, it looks like Scott's been on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I could look at that spaghetti yeah. with tomato basil and put five pounds on. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. easy. yeah. Man, it's unbelievable. So, so, but, but what's interesting to me, like, okay, so explain to me, like, the issue you would go to Escoffier for, like, if, a flavor profile. Like, you're sitting there with a piece of meat and a, and a vegetable. What, what's it? Well, it, it uh, you know, I, the good thing about being a cook is you could taste things in your mind. Yeah. Like I know that if I have a certain flavor profile, a certain, a certain spice and a certain, certain vegetable with a certain meat, I can taste how that's going to come together. Right. With the searing on the meat, depending on, you know, that, that extraction point of flavor, because you could take a zucchini right. and have 12 different flavors come out of it just using oil because it depends on how much you roast it. Right. Or, or don't. Right. Right. So, you know, the good news about being a chef is that all of us, I think, can do it. I think all of us can. Yeah. Uh, you know, we talk about it all the time. Like, imagine that flavor. Imagine that bring coming together. And when you lose that sometimes, you're like, you know, I have this beautiful piece of veal. What do I want to eat with it? Right. And you just can't, like, you know, zucchini just isn't enough. Right. Like, you know, what, let's yeah. think about some things. That, yeah. and how, do we, how do we achieve Right, because you just want your customers to be happy. I right, mean, it's a pretty, right. it's a pretty basic instinct. You but want you also people. want to create something amazing. But you want to you, exactly. You want to. You want. You, I, Is I, it really about the customer? I I think that um, there's a couple things there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, yes, it is ultimately because they provide you the opportunity. They're, they're the audience. Yeah. I always say jokingly to my staff, like the customer is such an unfortunate part of this business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the joke is that if you didn't have them, I mean, you know, it's not, know nothing's going to happen. Anyone can open up a restaurant and be a fantastic chef and run food costs that are astronomical and not give a shit about the business part. Anyone can do that. Yeah. But I watch Robert Irvine show. Every, that, anyone does do that. that. A lot of people do it. Yeah. And a lot of people surprisingly make a living. Yeah. But the, we're not creating Ponzi schemes. Yeah. I mean, what we're creating yeah, it's are... Tangible. It's tangible. We're, we, we're trying to make a living. We're yeah. trying to 
provide for not just for me as as a business owner, but also for the staff, yeah. you know, and their families. So I try to be conscious and aware of all these all, all the other things. But ultimately, yes, we're filling a very selfish void. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Sure. Yeah. Yes, because like it's like I made this. Yes. I mean, it's got to be amazing. Yeah. It's got to be beautiful. Like even when I eat here, I eat fast. Mm. And, you know, like in, in your food is like you don't even know why you're filled up after an appetizer because it's so intense and it's yeah. rich and it's great. But like sometimes like if I, I can spend two hours cooking something and eat it in five fucking minutes. Yeah. And then I'm sort of like, well, what the hell? How yeah. does a chef feel? Where you, you don't you ever walk through the, the dining room and go, dude, slow down, slow down. It's a veal you, chop. You Take know what? Time. There's there comes a point, and I learned this a long time ago. Yeah. After it goes up in the window, you feel like I've done my job. You've it's done your part. Lao Tzu thing. Yeah. You know, I've done my part, and yeah. it's not up to me anymore. Right. You know, <laughs> because some fucking Yahoo is gonna get it sometimes. Right. <laughs> they're gonna, and they're gonna not understand. Put fucking black pepper and raw onions all over it. Raw then, onions. You know what is that problem you have? What is the raw onions problem? I mean, literally, I'm watching Chopped, and I see someone with raw onions. If you're on the panel, I'm like, ah, oh, that's bullshit. That's not going to fly. That, well, you know, it's... It's, <laughs> it's like... It's a I get so much grief for this. You have no idea. People walk up to me in airports like, hey, raw onion guy, yeah. fuck you. <laughs> 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 Don't be such an asshole, raw, red, red onion guy. Anyway. Um, what, you do you know just what? think it's hacky, or you think that it's just some, some think, uh, convention that needs to be done away with? I think that, you know, we're talking about we're not talking about a deli, right? So if I go to a deli and I order a salad, I expect a raw red onion. Yeah, on it, right? Right. If I order a bagel with tuna, yeah. I expect raw red yeah, onions because yeah. that's, that's what I'm going right. for. But I think when you're, when you're talking about cooking and right. fine dining and haute right. cuisine right. and doing this for a living in order to make a mark, right. and you, no one can tell me that people are going to go on national television right. on one of the most successful shows in Food Network history yeah. Right, we just filmed our two hundred two hundredth episode I'm of that chopped. show, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah, Google it. Like yeah. Andy Griffith's show was two hundred episodes. Yeah, yeah. Like it's crazy. Yeah, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, so I don't think you were like, "I'll did. do this for a few uh, episodes, yeah, see how it goes, <laughs> see what happens." Yeah. I'm not busy on Tuesday, yeah, why not? Yeah. but you can't tell me that those chefs are going to go on that television to make a spectacle of themselves and not and and not want to be better. Right. right. I mean, why do you do it if you don't want to be but better? But some of them have such egos. I mean, it's like, and that's a chef thing, <clears throat> yeah. too. Like, and, oh, yeah. And yeah. some guys are kind of surprising. I like the guys that sort of surprise you, even though it looks like they don't know what the fuck they're doing, and they make something. You're like, well, you're he's like, got his own thing this here. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the best. But, those are the but best But the thing moments. I don't understand is 200 episodes. If someone gets on there, and you're on the panel, and they're about to cook pasta, how do they not go, what the fuck? Why okay. would I even do that? I have how, a theory on that. You or know the raw why? onion thing. It's like, why are you even, don't because you watch? I'm going to teach him how it could oh, be get- good. That's how, that, I mean, it's the ego thing. It goes back to the same, like, why would you do that? I'll never forget the guy where I l- really lost my shit. I had dinner with him a couple weeks ago in Miami. He's, he's actually the chef at Bazaar. Uh-huh. I mean, he's a fantastic chef. He was fantastic on Fantastic cook. He was on Chopped. He gave me two courses of raw red onions. And I was like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> like, why would you do this? Like, you're, you're talking about... You're a fantastic cook. Right. Why would you give I me? Mean, this was off camera. This yeah. is the shit that they didn't show <laughs> right. or was edited out. But it's like, why would you give me raw red onions on this plate to com- completely overwhelm? I'm like stuttering. I yeah, get so yeah. upset about it. I, like you're completely <laughs> overwhelming all, all of the other flavors on the plate. Like yeah. the raw red onions. What yeah. the fuck? Yeah, yeah. And the guy's like, oh, okay, if I make it to the dessert round, I, I'll make sure not to give it to you. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> 
Yeah. And he's the one wants to shake my hand and laugh yeah, about yeah. it. I mean, this isn't funny. But you had dinner with him. <laughs> but I had dinner with him. This is so this I mean, built this is a, two you years built a friendship. You, like, I think he's still trying to figure out like what my problem is. Yeah. Because literally he looked at me. I was sitting down. We have a mutual friend. I sit down for dinner and I go, fortunately, there'll be no red run, raw red onions yeah, at yeah. this dinner. And yeah. he just looked at me like, what the fuck is your <laughs> <you're> fucking asshole? <laughs> I mean, he was like, listen, I was broke. And listen, I've been there many times, more than I, at least three times in my life. I've been completely broke and I completely get it. But he did this for the money. Yeah. And I'm like, OK, like that's that's cool. But I'm not like we all have a, some kind of terrible story. That doesn't mean that you, you automatically deserve ten thousand dollars. And if if you screw up, he didn't lose because of the red onions. He yeah. lost because the other guy created much better flavors. Yeah. And the guy wasn't as good of a chef as him. Yeah. Also. So yeah. it's just one of those things. Right. Where, <laughs> the baskets are tough yeah. anyway but i said you know he was like you know i needed the money and you really fucked me i i didn't fuck you you fucked you i i'm and by the way there's two other judges there i don't act independently they, i've tried they won't let me i have no agenda here. right you know anyway did he take it no no he, <laughs> he still thinks i'm an asshole <laughs> so after okay vocational high school you, you're doing the sheraton thing no i so i was still in high school as i was working at the sheraton and i was working 60 hours a week plus going to high school i mean yeah. i really love this stuff yeah and then eventually i graduated high school uh and i went to cia uh right away right away yeah right away and what what happens there so the first year is what basics it, it, you know, you, so you like medical school, you specialize eventually. Um, no, nothing like that. Actually, huh. there's every so every every three weeks, there's a new class that comes in. They really churn out students there. Um, but it's a good school. It's a great. It's uh, Paul Bocuse, yeah. one of the greatest chefs in history, said it was the best school in the world. So, which is which is how long's the which, program? It was at the time it was two years, so it's an associate's degree. Yeah. Um, and now they have a four year option uh, with, and they've done something. I believe they've done something in conjunction with Cornell. Yeah. Hospi uh, the hospitality school. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's a great school. So you go in and then what happens? So I went in there and Were you I, cocky? You know, I was a little cocky. Yeah. Admittedly. <laughs> young punk. Yeah. Um, so I could really relate to a lot of these kids on chop. By yeah, the way, yeah, so I yeah, could yeah. completely get it. Yeah. Uh, and I, um, I went to the, I went to the first six months. I went to an externship. Uh, in New York City. I worked at a restaurant called San Domenico. Yeah. And I was there for uh, five months, I believe. And that was Northern Italian? That was, well, that was my first taste of proper Italian food. And I, I'll never forget, the chef was cooking something, and I saw this piece of halibut come up onto the pass. Yeah. And it was like, halibut with zucchini and zucchini flowers. It's just really simple. Yeah. Like parsley and white wine sauce. Yeah. And I'll never forget the simplicity and the beauty of that, and it really, like, it changed my life. Really? Because I wanted to cook French plate. food. That plate. And I hate to say it because the chef is, is just not really nice to me these days. Uh -huh. um, but he really, I mean, I really have to give him credit for cooking something that really changed my perspective on food. Because you yeah. were going the French direction. Yeah, I wanted to cook French food because it was fancy. Yeah. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I wanted to cook fancy food. Right. But I saw that thing, and I was like, oh, my God, look at that. That's just like, I had no idea that Italian could food uh, that Italian food could be like that. Right. And that's why I was just blown away. I don't think anybody did, right? I mean, food, you know, and how... And how food is uh, deconstructed and, and, and understood now is different yeah. than it was then, I imagine. Ex exactly. Well, and he probably didn't even know it. Well, yes, he has a very high opinion of self. Yeah. So, <laughs> so maybe he, he did. did. Yeah, yeah he, I think he did. Um, but it was one of those situations where, um, you know, 
that restaurant at the time was one of the top restaurants in the country, probably yeah. top five in the country. Right. Uh, San Domenico and, and Valentino and Santa Monica at the time, they were kind of competing for best Italian restaurant in the country. Right. Um, and Valentino, also a great restaurant. But, um, you know, there was just such a simplicity and such a straightforwardness with that, with those flavor profiles. It's still like I still think about um those those dishes back then i mean we were doing we were doing at any point in time you'd walk into the dining room it was like the italian consulate i mean pavarotti was there almost every night if he did a show at lincoln center he was having dinner at san right. Domenico afterwards sophia loren was there um i mean from al pacino to dustin hoffman to it was Barbara the place Streisand, it was the place I mean, it was the spot in yeah, New York yeah. city it right was great Right, it was great, and that's where you and you were just. What was your position there? I was nineteen, and I was a, I was a cook, and I was the only American in the kitchen. What does that mean, a cook? So I mean, because I know there's different stations here. Yeah. So you were just a, so I was a prep working, guy, or what? I, I was working on the fish station as a commis underneath the chef of the station. So every kitchen has a chef, yeah. chef de partie, and I was a commis de cuisine. So I was working under him to kind of learn my craft, and that and that was a fish craft. That was the fish, and then I. There was a lot of craziness going on in that kitchen. So I eventually moved over to the meat station. I became the chef of the meat station and kind of then I went to Europe for you a little while. A, okay, so you started out under the fish guy. Yeah. And then like whatever politics <laughs> you ended up in the meat and you were the main guy in the meat. And I, I became I worked my way up. I always did that. Whenever I but I because I, I just I just work. That's all I do. So I put So my you learn how to butcher and everything else. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. But I did that beforehand, yeah. You did that yeah. CIA or, or even? We earlier? learned that through CIA. We learned a lot of that. So I did it before CIA as well. I mean, I worked with these good guys who really took me under their wing and, and taught me a lot of stuff. You're and, so young, too. And broke my balls. I yeah. mean, they, like, <laughs> they would break my balls. They so, that, so that's where you get some of that attitude, where it's sort of like, who the fuck are you? You're like, I was 19. I was, yeah, I was making yeah. my bones when you were banging cheerleaders. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Exactly. There's something to that, though, right? There's, yeah, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. So, okay, so you do all this time with these guys in New York, and then you go, what happens then? So I was approached by a group that was opening a restaurant in New Orleans. So I went down to New Orleans for a few months, and I opened up a restaurant there, which was, what, which was great. I was 19. I turned 20 while I was down there. You mean uh, you opened it, mean you were the chef? I was the, I was the, it was my first sous chef job. What's a sous chef? So, uh, the second chef. Okay. So when the chef wasn't around, I was running the right. kitchen. Okay. So the, 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 the way you come up is you start as a cook and, or the, a guy under the guy, and then you become the guy, and then you become a sous chef, and then you become an executive chef. And then you become the executive chef. Yeah. Right. Or so, the chef de cuisine and then the executive so chef. So you go to New Orleans. So, yeah, we, I, I opened up this restaurant. It was New Orleans. Yeah. yeah. 1990. Yeah. 91, maybe. And... I mean, it's a dangerous place. Yeah, yeah. For a kid. It's chaos, man. Fuck. A lot of things going on. I mean, forget about it. Things you don't understand. I had so much fun. Yeah, yeah. so much fun down there. (laughs) Like, literally, the owner of the restaurant sat me down on Easter day. He's like, call your mother. Call your mother. It's Easter. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, all right. There's certain things you got to remember. Holy shit. Yeah, Yeah, it was fun. It was a a good time. Yeah. It was a good time. And then what happened? Um, That restaurant was sold. Emeril Lagasse took it over. He took Uh, over the entire state, didn't he? I think he did. Yeah, actually. Definitely New Orleans proper. (laughs) Um, And it's a restaurant that's still in business now called Nola. Uh And I actually, if you walk into that space, it's a beautiful space, open kitchen. There's there's an elevator that's encased in this brick wall. And I painted that wall. I mean, I literally was on a ladder because we were running late on the opening and I painted the wall and I'll never forget those days because you learn how to open up a restaurant 
we were so far behind and the kitchen was so screwed and we were just completely over our skis. I had no business being a sous yeah. chef. I was yeah. a good cook. I wasn't a sous chef. I, wasn't, yeah. I shouldn't have been a manager. But after that, I went back to school. I finished school, finished CIA, graduated, and I moved to Europe. I moved to Germany for a while. Germany? Yeah. Why Germany? I don't know. I have no idea. I still can't figure it out. I figured it would be easier to get a job in Italy from Germany than from New York. What'd you do in Germany? I worked at a, a hotel. That was the f- most. I have to, so this was 1991. This is two years after the wall. Right. Two years after the wall came yeah. down. A bunch of East Germans are coming to, to Germany, yeah. to West, West Germany, which is now Germany. Yeah. And a lot of these people didn't. I mean, I've never seen stuff like this before. I mean, I grew up with all kinds of people and never never thought about communism or people communism or or jews and all this kind of stuff i mean these were some of the most anti-semitic people i've ever met in my life i said to as a joke one day to a guy i grew up a nice catholic boy yeah i said as a joke one day he came up to me i was getting a coffee he said today is hitler's birthday and i was like (laughs) that's a bad thing right and i go you like that guy like i didn't know what to say yeah and he kind of looked at me like who would ask a question like that really i said uh you know i'm jewish yeah and the guy never spoke to me again really he never spoke to me and i and i i used to wear a cross around my neck and i took the cross out i said no i'm not i'm just kidding yeah and he didn't buy it wouldn't so there was one guy we had a kosher party i mean this isn't even funny stuff i shouldn't talk about it because it's really disturbing it was really disturbing then we had a kosher party, and they brought a, a, a rabbi and a chef from Israel. And it was a, it was a party, and I don't know why. It's in Germany. This is in We're, Munich. In, yeah. in Munich. Um, where, you know, the whole... The whole Nazi thing started. Yeah, <laughs> apparently. But we're, we're we're led to believe that that's over now, and they yeah. all feel bad about it. Yeah, it's all, that's all bullshit. Well, this was twenty years ago <laughs> right, as well. Right. This was ninety two. Yeah. So this was twenty years. I can't yeah. believe it was twenty years ago. But um, they put the rabbi and the chef in the butcher shop to do their party. Right. There was six hundred acidic Jews. Six hundred acidic Jews. I mean, first of all, it's like walking into the lion's den. Number sure. one. But how how do you put them? What what are Germans known for? pork how do you put them in the butcher shop right it's the most offensive thing in the world and literally they would have pots going up to the dishwasher and these east german dishwashers were so offended to like i'll never forget it this one guy who we thought was a nice guy i didn't speak german at the time but i'm like hearing all this stuff like shocked because i pick up a little bit the guy refused to wash the pot of a jew I will not. And he looked at the kitchen chef and said, how could you, what kind of German are you that you would ask me to wash the pot of a Jew? Really? And he walked off the job. Walked off the job. I was like, you got to be kidding me. This is 1991. Yeah. yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it was 92. Was the rabbi there to bless the meat in the... He was just overseeing to make sure that everything was as they do with kosher parties. But anyway, it was kind of one of those crazy situations where... I was like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. Like, I, I can't you stand doing this there? country. I, mean, I was, you... I was cooking, and I was, you know, I was working. It was, it turned out to be a great experience. Yeah. Uh, in in hindsight, while I was going through it, I hated it. But I was in Munich, and you know, if if, if you don't, if you know anything about the geography of of Europe, it's like right on. It's a two hour trip to an hour and a half trip to Italy, to the north of Italy. It's an hour to switzerland it's an hour and a half to 
deep inside France through the Black Forest. I mean, it was a, it's a beautiful... Centrally located. Centrally located. Yeah. We used to take beer runs. I wasn't crazy about the beer in Munich at the time, so we would make beer runs to Aren't the Czech Republic. Yeah, I know. I just didn't like it. So <laughs> we'd go to the Czech Republic and get Pilsner. Pilsner or Kells before it was opened oh, up into yeah. this market. And the original Budweiser was there. We'd, we'd take a trip just, you know, pick up a few cases of beer, throw it in the car. Is and the original Budweiser any better than the Budweiser... It actually was much better. You would yeah. hope. I don't drink that. I can't yeah. drink that no, stuff. No, I don't know oh, who drinks that. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. A lot of people, yeah. apparently. It's I mean, the king, college, it's I think. the king of beers. Sure. It's easy. They've, <laughs> exactly. they've convinced us all. Well, Coors Light is a big thing. Now. Yeah. Is it really? You don't have sponsors, do you? I do. Oh, okay. I do. Oh, you do. Okay. Not liquor sponsors. Not, oh, yeah. No. no uh, sex toys, stamps, things like that. Sex toys. Interesting. Sure. <laughs> so, all right. So, you spent all that time in Germany. Did you learn anything specific? That I, You know, I, I learned... Um, so I would I, I would try to get out of Germany as much as possible, and I would take trips to the north of Italy, which was uh, part of Austria before World War II. Right. So Sudtirol is that uh, Alto Adige, that region. Yeah. And I fell in love with it. Yeah. I just fell in love with the food there. I fell in love with the majestic views, things like that. So it had a big impact of, on, my, uh, on my cuisine still. Yeah? Yeah. Did you, like, now, can you do anything? Can you, like, make a cake? If I have a recipe, yeah, I could. I could you make can't a just cake. wing a cake. <laughs> no. Even pastry chefs don't wing wing cakes. They don't. It's know. A very specific. Who's yeah. that genius on Top Chef? That woman from San Francisco who's now in somewhere else. Yeah. I, don't, I don't watch those shows. I can't. Not that's Top a, Chef. I mean uh, Iron Chef. You know the, the oh, Elizabeth Faulkner. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. She's she's badass. Yeah, right? she's the real deal. Right. Yeah, she's she's the real deal. Were you surprised? I mean, I, I was surprised that she didn't take it all. I think I think even Alex was surprised that she didn't take it all. Really? Yeah. I, I, even Jeffrey and I were talking about it and we're like, you know, Elizabeth, we thought she was going to win on the episode against, it was Michael Chiarello against Elizabeth. Right. And we figured that Jeffrey was going to go down. She was yeah, taken I mean, prison. She just got an awesome review in the New York Times, by the way. She opened a place in Brooklyn. Yeah. And yeah, she's killing it. Is killing she? It. Yeah, she's awesome. She's awesome. So when you, when you were a kid or when you were doing the, you know, the vocational school and working at the Sheraton, I mean, was... Was, like, I have to assume that the, the idea was you just wanted to be a chef. You didn't want to be like a restaurateur necessarily. No, I, I remember uh, my goals when I got out of CIA. Yeah. I said, okay, I'm going to work and try. You know, the good news about being a cook is you're never necessarily going to go hungry. Yeah. Um, and you'll, you know, you could go anywhere in the world and, and work. That's the good. So if you I have wanted, the basic skills. It, I wanted to be able to travel. I wanted to be able to spend time in different places. Right. And I said, you know, by the time I'm 35, if I can become an executive chef of a place, and maybe, you know, I, I always saw in my mind's eye, like maybe a place on the Upper East Side in, in Manhattan by the time I'm 35. Like Delmonico place? Was well, that was the name not, of the place you went fancy, to? fancy, but something right. that was bistro-esque and right. something that was, you know, just comfortable and maybe it had a piano bar as well. There yeah. was a restaurant uh, years ago in New York City called La Camellia, and I used to love that place. It was yeah. a little Italian spot with a with a with a, a piano bar and at midnight every night, like a bunch of people would be sitting there and drinking and the piano yeah. would be playing and singing. It was a fun spot. Uh, not dissimilar to the sea loft in Waterbury, Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes back the to the was, sea loft. But yeah. the food was really good. Yeah. And at midnight they would send out this, this pasta, yeah. this spaghettato mezzanotte. And they would just send this out and people would just have like a pasta yeah. at midnight yeah. because it was like was convivial and fun and, yeah. and awesome. Like yeah. it was, and I always loved that sense of, you know, there was just that sense of neighborhood where you, uh -huh. know, 
you know, we're not doing this to make money. We're doing this because yeah. you're in our home. Yeah, we live here. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. And did, how many restaurants did you open before you, you nailed it? I mean, were you one of those guys where you'd, you'd get a job and people would be like, oh, Scott's cooking over at that place oh, now? No, you know what? I, I'll never forget my first real chef job. Yeah. I was 26. Yeah. I was at a, re- at a restaurant. This was 97. I was at a restaurant called Chianti on the east side, Midtown East in, in 55th and 2nd Avenue in Manhattan. And I, you know, I was cooking some good food, but I changed it. It was a really a neighborhood restaurant. And I changed the menu a lot, and the customers were not happy about it. They wanted the same stuff that this place always served. Um, and the owners and I would fight. I remember one night, this, this, this owner, um, he, he like, like broke my balls so bad. I just... I sat down with a friend of mine. I drank two bottles of wine. Yeah. Like, literally, <laughs> yeah. he was just watching me. Yeah. And I was so distraught. And I'm like, dude, I'm doing good food. I don't understand what the problem is. And, you know, it's that stuff. I mean, it's what, like what we spoke about before. Like, this is so personal to me. This means so much to me. I'm doing nothing else. I'm working 14 hours, 16 hours a day. And, like, it, it, like it meant so much and this guy was just breaking my balls because customers weren't happy but we weren't appealing to the customer base that was going to really understand this stuff but it was a neighborhood restaurant so I understand his point now yeah I mean then I was like why would you hire me if you don't want me to do what I do right if you wanted right. I'm what an artist was, you fuck yeah I mean <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. exactly yeah so you know, still, I, you know, I always tell my staff as well, listen, the creative process is extremely important, but we need to understand that we need to live in the confines of who we are. We, once we start stepping outside of that frame, then there's going to be, uh, you know, there's going to be issues. Like what would that look like? What does that mean, stepping outside of that frame? Well, the frame of who we are. This is, you know, here, Scarpetta is meant to, in the name and the word Scarpetta, it, it means little shoe but it's really that act of when something's so good you grab a piece of bread and sop up what's on the plate right. so if you look at the the um the logo that logo looks like bread after it's being swiped right, from right. the plate see it in the window yeah over there? yeah yeah so the in, the intention is meant to be something that's honest and soulful right and, and deep um and that doesn't mean that it shouldn't be executed properly uh, and, but it needs to have that balance of rusticity and elegance, right? And if you look at the design of the restaurants as well, they have this balance of rustic and elegant. Uh, because, I mean, hopefully that's, that's just part of my, my thing. It's what I do. But I, I love giving opportunities to young chefs and, and, or any chef. I mean, older, younger, it doesn't matter. But being able to execute at that level. And that's the thing. We, from a branding and marketing perspective, we can't lose sight of what people expect when they walk in the door of these restaurants. You know yeah, I mean? absolutely. Let me ask you a question about that because there's certain restaurants like like as a guy who's not really a full foodie and not really a, a great cook per se, but when it seems that once people in the kitchen stop giving a shit, even if they're making the same menu, it stinks. Oh yeah, I mean that that How do restaurants heart, die like that? I mean, that heart. I mean, if you're not putting love into it, then people people get that. I, I feel like customers get that. It's before true, right? Do. Oh yeah. I mean, because like oh, yeah. you can't like there are restaurants in New York that used to be great, and all yeah. of a sudden they're just no good anymore. It's the same shit. And then- I'll, I'll you know I'll I'll tell you about two years ago I had a chef in New York and he just didn't give a shit. I mean it was one of those situations where I was like every day pulling him aside like let's you know get in there motive trying to motivate the guy trying yeah. to get the guy to to where you know I thought he should live and. It actually turned out that 
customers were feeling it in the food and I didn't necessarily see it because I'm not sitting in a dining room. Um, but you, you know, when, to your point, people know it, you know, you know it when you taste it. It's like great sushi. Right. You know, great sushi when you taste it. Right. It's hard to describe it right. any other right. way. But it's, that's the but, amazing thing about food is that like, you know, some people, if you watch the shows, like, like I watch Irvine show, you know, the restaurant. Impossible. Yeah. He's awesome. Yeah. He's, he's, awesome. he's a character. He's, he's, yes. he rides the edge of awesome and irritating, but he's, he's definitely, <laughs> But you say that, okay? Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I know he could kick my ass. Clearly, <laughs> his arms are like my yeah. I just, leg. It's it's like, I just see like he shoots the show and then he goes to the gym and that's that's his life. <laughs> but um, but like there are people that like they open these restaurants and they don't fucking know anything. Yeah. And then there are people that just get broken and and they they're they're consumed by uh, panic and they can no longer you know even focus on the food. Yeah, yeah it's true. But like here, I mean, you wouldn't, uh, how do you manage, like when you're not here, how do you know everything's going to work out? Well, I, I mean, I don't, but I think that let's say, I mean, I needed to come to terms with this a long time ago when I decided to do more than one restaurant, that if I'm not here, um, there's going to be a certain percentage of slippage. I mean, it's just going to happen. And how do I tighten that gap? So if yeah. it's, if it's 2% instead of 5%, what can I live with? And what can I, what can I say? Okay, I'm willing to let that go to a certain extent, but customers aren't going to feel that. I mean, yeah. that's just a business decision. Right, right, I right. Think, right. I think that you have to make. And the whole, like the, the way that, that the trend of food is going now, this whole, these, these buzzwords like local, organic, uh, What's another one? Uh, there's sustainable. A sustainable. Yeah. yeah. Once restaurants like a McDonald's start using those words, it's then it's over. time to move on. <laughs> to new words. We're, we're back to the They're bad not a sponsor. Shit. Yeah. We're not a sponsor. No, no, no. Okay, no. good. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's like, okay, McDonald's is starting to do a sustainable program. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? Come yeah. on. Yeah. Like, like, a... Come on. I, I am a capitalist. I get it. Like, yeah. okay, do your thing. It's right. all good. But these buzzwords... They, they mean something, and they mean a lot to certain people. If you speak to a chef like Dan Barber in New yeah, York yeah. and start to talk to him about lo local and organic farming and sustainability of product, and this guy is like, I mean, he's like a fucking wizard. Yeah. I mean, it's like you're speaking to the Buddha. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, this guy's yeah. unbelievable. And so to see what he does, I mean, I guess it's like anything, you know, to see what he does and then hear a company like McDonald's try to use that same verbiage, you know, it, there's just something that's lost there. There's of something course, that's yeah. just, They've you just, know, what he does and what they do have nothing to do with each other. It's like great acting. Yeah. You know, they're just trying to get people to eat their garbage. Exactly. And and then like, well, exactly. what does this stuff mean to you? Because you, you you use local organic or not organic necessarily. Well, and I that, use we and use organic. And also, you know, my girlfriend's a vegetarian. Yeah. And she loves this place because you put an option on there. You've we, got a vegetarian we have menu. a vegetarian menu. It's fucking life-changing. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a business decision, but it needs to make sense and it can't be, it has to be authentic. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like it needs to be heartfelt and authentic. I eat vegetarian quite a bit. I mean, if I'm, if I'm home, if I don't go to work, yeah. I'll probably eat, eat like a vegetarian every day of the week. Right. Because I'm a fat bastard and yeah. I need to lose weight. That's, that's why. So I'll eat vegetables all yeah. the time. And whenever I've done these diets where I need to like focus on what I'm doing or need to cut certain things out of my, out of my diet, you know, I go to restaurants and that there's that offering doesn't exist. So I figure from a business, just forget about being thoughtful for your customer, just from that thoughtfulness translates to a business decision yeah. and it's just good business, you know? Yeah. And with, with, with words like with local and how, how do you guys, like is like I don't know like I know New York you can go down to Union Square 
yeah. and do that market thing. But how does that work here? I mean, in L.A. Oh, my I mean, God. Today, it's, today's Wednesday, right? Today, the, the Santa Monica market. Yeah. Have you ever been there? No. Oh, forget about it. Yeah. If you show up at like 8 a.m., you'll see every chef in the city there. Really? It's unbelievable. Really? It's unbelievable. And you guys yeah. just like like when you walk around and see like you've been doing this long enough that you you know you can just feel vegetables. You look at things and you know what's good and what's not. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, there's things where I mean it, that makes chefs hard. I mean, we yeah, like we see like a zucchini and you're like, holy shit, look at that fucking zucchini. <laughs> It's crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's very funny. We're yeah. kind of losers in a lot of ways. But it's what, I mean, it's like, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure as a comedian, like, you hear someone tell a joke, you're like, holy oh, shit, oh, that's, yeah, yeah. Sam Kinison was sure, like, sure. I mean, I always think yeah. about him and everybody was like, he's a comedian's comedian. Like, yeah, no, I, I spent a lot of time, I did my graduate work uh, chopping lines for Sam. Yeah. Did I, you really? Oh, sure, oh, yeah. Really? I was a doorman at the comedy store. That's I spent like, <laughs> about a year losing my mind. I thought Kinison. chopping lines meant like, no, no, know, no, literally, writing. no, really, no like, literally, literally, yeah, yeah, chopping lines, yeah. <laughs> That's been awesome. A, that's hysterical. A lot of hours listening to Sam talk about Sam. Yeah, you know, all that's night hysterical. long. Yeah, that's yeah that, that was my uh, that was my uh, that was my Munich. <laughs> See, the, but you know, and then you look at a guy like Rodney Dangerfield, and I know Rodney Dangerfield and Sam were like really close, right? Yeah, because Rodney was very sad for a while. Yeah, Rodney was he? Yeah, I mean, was Sam that bad? Really? Was he? Was he a douche? Well, uh, yeah, of course. But I mean, a douche in the same way that you or I are a douche. You I know, see. he was, yeah. uh, you know, he was a, a, a bit of a bully. And, and uh, you know, I mean, watch his act. Yeah. Is that a guy you're like, I want to hang out with that guy? I mean, it's, that's some of the funniest shit. I've oh, ever yeah, I still, that life, first man. album, I say, it's hard to find it. You can't even get it on CD. I still listen to really? that first album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was something else. He's be- he was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. He's beautiful. But, you know, once you get to know somebody and you get like the, the ego thing, Yes. It's the same in the, any business is that once you get big, yeah, it's, yeah. It, you know, the trick is to have some humility yeah, and to not just be a dick, you yeah. know, to not yeah. say no, like, no, no. Trust n- me. now I'm big, you're all fucking going yeah. down. Yeah. You know, cause then I you, hate that shit. Yeah. I, I hate that shit because, yeah. you know, I, I mean, listen, we've all, we've all been through yeah. it. No matter what success is, success is just a matter of perception for other people. It's, yeah. You have to be honest enough with yeah. yourself to, to know where you stand on shit. It's hard, <laughs> you right? You know what I mean? Fucking hey, man. No, nobody, nobody, I mean, you know, I try not to be that person who, who, who looks at other people like, oh, I want to be like him. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to walk my own path here, but I'm, if I'm honest with myself, I have a lot of shitty days. You oh know? yeah, resent. <laughs> Resentment, you know I mean? and resentment and jealousy are such a fucking bitch. Yeah, you know, I agree. It, it's just the worst. And like you know, because you, you can feel it in your heart. And as you get older, you know, like you know what? Maybe you shouldn't open your mouth when you're feeling that, and yeah, just man. and just kind of get that gratitude yeah. going. Yeah. What, what, like, who are you jealous of, and for what reason? Well, no, I, mean, I mean, it's not it's not jealous jealousy. But I look at the it's, let's say the success of someone like Jean Georges von Crichton. Yeah, it's not jealousy. I just look at at the the decisions that he's made and. The tough thing in my career has always been I'm a victim of my own decisions. Right. And it, I have nobody else to blame except right. myself. So that sense of freedom, I look at JG and I was like, fuck, that guy can do anything. And his culinary vocabulary is is probably more extensive than anyone that I know. I mean, he's a master. If you've ever been to Jean Georges in New York City, specifically for lunch, you'll know exactly what I mean. It's just mind-blowing. And then he could do something like Spice Market, which is just great and he could do something like jojo or he could do something like abc kitchen in new yeah. york city which is also fantastic i mean this guy has 
I, I don't know another way to say it, but his culinary vocabulary is just so damn extensive. It's yeah. you could do Asian and French and, He's a wizard. and, and American better than anybody. It's right. really unbelievable. Yeah. So I wouldn't say that it's jealousy or envy that right. I feel for him. It's just like I look at him wide eyed like this guy and he's awesome yeah like yeah. you meet him and he's just like happy and like yeah. oh, of course he's happy he's fucking john george yeah. his wife is hot he's yeah. getting you know what i mean like, yeah, of yeah. course he's happy everything he's, he's got rich. everything like yeah. the guy's awesome yeah he has a french accent which yeah. you know i'm stuck with this one yeah yeah so you know like the guy has right. it all going on they look at a guy like wolfgang puck not without and i had a, i was fortunate to have a conversation with wolfgang a couple months ago and he was like no nah, man you know i made a lot of mistakes and he was like i had business people in my life that told me i could do this this and this and they created great spreadsheets and i could be a i could be worth 300 million dollars in two years he said a year later i was I was declaring bankruptcy almost. Right. <laughs> it's like, holy shit. So this is a guy, you know, also a victim of his a victim of his decisions that he's made. However, he's been able to to roll that into an, a, a tremendous amount of success. I mean, well, that's tricky, I guess, as a chef, because, you know, you guys are creative and, you, you know, you have this amazing skill. But I, I imagine that you're you could be suckered, it, you, you know, in the sense that, you know, you, you need guys with money. To yep. back you, it's true. Or you it's need true. a guy with a restaurant to say you're my guy, mm. and you don't know when you're going to be left yeah. holding the bag, or or you yeah. know thrown under the bus for whatever bullshit, or taken advantage of. <laughs> you can't, you can't, yeah. see, can't fuck, speak to that one. Huh? Fuck man, you have no idea. That's all I'm saying. You have no idea. <laughs> yes. Right. Let's just say yes. All right. It's happened. Uh, it, it's happened in the past. It's happened to everybody to yeah. a certain extent. Yeah. You know, I the old. Uh, you know, you remember the the Godfather when Johnny Fontaine is stuck with that that contract. Yeah, I don't know. And what do I do? I what am I going to do? You Hollywood phenomenon. Like a man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, those are the things that you wish you had the Godfather in your life every once sure. in a while to like well, give somebody if, a smack around. If, if it was a different time, you could have. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know. I should have stayed closer with some of my no, cousins on no, my mother's side of the family. No, no you probably shouldn't have, because then they would have burned down your restaurant. That's a good point. You know? That's a good point. Good right, so, style. are we going to make spaghetti? You want to make a spaghetti? Let's do it. All right. I love it. All right. So I start with hot pan. Yeah. About eight, in- eight ounces of tomato sauce, right? Give or take. Yeah. And I put that on the fire to reduce. Yeah. Now, I do it like this, individual portions for one reason. And that's the infused olive oil? This is, no, the infused oil is already in there. This is ex, This is additional extra right. virgin olive oil. But basically, because of the surface area in this pan, yeah. I reduce it down like this individually yeah. so that it, if I reduced it in a large pot, yeah. it would start to take on that weight and that heaviness like right. my mother's tomato sauce. Right, right, right. Which is perfectly fine. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, right. I'm not trying to disparage my mother, but I want this to remain really fresh. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so just a pinch of crushed red pepper. Here's this. Now, this spaghetti we make in-house. Right. Spaghetti is uh, semolina and double zero flour. So it has to be fine. has to be very fine, yeah. And if you try to use AP, uh, like all-purpose flour, yeah. it, or another kind of flour, you'll feel the texture difference. Right. It'll look different. So, like, when you buy cheeses, you, you got your guy that's, like, the best or what? Yeah, I mean, we have, we have great... We have great um, purveyors that yeah. we buy amazing product from. So, I mean, the thing you learn over time is you're only as good as the product that you're putting in the food. You're, right. You can't transform bad product into good. Right. You can be a good cook, 
but you can't create good product. So right. you need to start with, the, with really good stuff. So you see, we're just boiling the boiling the pasta. There's enough salt in this water that it tastes like. You can stick your finger in there if you want. That it tastes like broth. Oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's the important thing. So that doesn't like, seem oh, like it's God. boiling. I just stuck my finger in. Oh, what's, it is boiling. You oh. see it boiling. I still got restaurant hands. You still, <laughs> still got it. And you do this with every order? Because I noticed when I was here and I was sitting in the kitchen, it's like almost like a, it's like a very precious in, in, in the window. It's like one dish at a time. Yes. Right, so well, that has to be. So you cooked it 90%. Now we're cooking the rest in the sauce. Cooking cook it the rest of the way here. And I'll adjust it with that pasta cooking liquid if need be. All right, so now you got the fresh basil. Fresh basil added inside. And it's just, you know, cooking away. Now, a couple things are happening here. There's the release of the starch into the sauce, which helps thicken it. There's the absorption of the liquid into the pasta, yeah. which helps uh, flavor the pasta itself. Yeah. And then there's that, the addition of fat with the starch and the sauce, with yeah. the olive oil, yeah. which creates an emulsion, which really makes it look like... That sheen, yeah, yeah, look yeah. At that sheen that's on there. Right. A little less than a tablespoon of butter. Right. And once you add that butter, yeah, it sees no more heat. So I won't add any more. Not gonna put it on the burner. I'm not gonna put it back on the burner anymore. See how it's getting nice and creamy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the trick, right there. That's huh? the trick. And then grated Parmesan cheese. If I put this back on the fire right now, yeah. you'd start to see it creating a coating of that of the cheese on the bottom of the pan, which you want to stay away from. It's just nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See the texture of that stuff? Yeah, yeah. Nice. And this is your best-selling dish. This is in every in every restaurant. Yeah. Wow. He's going to give me a bowl right now. Are you going to eat any? I don't eat this stuff. I told you, I'm on a diet. I was on a diet this morning. That's good. We, when we plate this up, we put a little ring. Right. So it always has that beautiful presentation. Yeah, no, I noticed that when I, I eat it here. It should. It should have a beautiful presentation. That's it. That's it, man. It's simple. But like anything, it takes a lot to get to that simplicity. Man. Right. I can see that. Oh, shit. Look at that. All right. Man. Am I going to eat that? Yeah, this is for you. Well, it's great you talking to you, Scott. You want to eat it here or you want to eat it in the room? I'll eat it wherever. You've got, you got things to do now, right? Oh, you're all set now. Awesome. Well, I'll eat this. You go do what you got to do. Thanks for talking. Thank you, man. Yeah. This is fun. It was this fun, is a lot man. Of fun. Yeah. All right, so I should just sit and eat this. Chill. You're gonna do fun. business. I would. Uh, I would give you a glass of wine if I had. Some I don't. I don't do it anymore. So it's good. Oh, you don't drink anymore. Not anymore. Good for you. I guess so. Save a lot of money. Yeah, a lot of money, and I'm probably gonna save my life at some point. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks. Okay, Go do what you gotta do. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you got that recipe, and I've done it at home, and it's fucking spectacular. That's the secret. And and Scott gave it to you, so I ain't you know, I'm not uh, I'm not uh, you know it's not a magician thing, you know you can know the trick. There's the trick. Uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate Scott hanging out. All right, look, uh, go to WTF Pod for all your WTF Pod needs. I of course taped this earlier. I'm taping my uh, my hour special tonight. I do have shows coming up in uh, in Milwaukee and in Bethlehem, PA. Go to WTFPod.com. Get on the calendar. You'll find I'll be at the Moon Tower Comedy Festival in Austin, Texas, the 24th through the 27th of April. 
So if any of those appeal to you, come on down. I will be premiering my new show, Marin, at the Moon Tower Comedy Fest. We're going to run an episode and do a, a Q&A over there. Um, pre-order my book, Attempting Normal, if you will. You can go to WTFPod.com and do that as well. Do all the stuff you need to do. Kick in a few shekels, buy some merch, do some posters, get some posters, Get leave a comment. All right, get some, get some JustCoffee.coop. How's that? At WTFPod.com. Get the WTF blend, then I get a little bit on the back end there. I don't know. I don't know. I'm punchy. Okay. Boomer lives!